According to Tom Rainer, 6% of churches in America are effective in evangelism. Let's change the statistic. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Hey everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. Tim, this is the last episode this is it. of season one of GoCast. So big question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there's lots of episodes throughout this season, but is there one that stood out to you that, yeah, I just, I don't was maybe your favorite? There was so many uh, good insights throughout all these different interviews. And I love just the diversity of the people that we interviewed. But I, if I had to pull from one, I would say um, it would be the episode with Danny Green as he talks about his 15 year transition with his father, that um, it just, it wrecks me to think of how much commitment you would need for that, how much determination, how much uh, direction and and just uh, firming your wheels for where you're headed in that sense. Like that, that shows to me that like they really thought it through and they really cared about their people in the congregation. They didn't want to do a sloppy handoff, so. Yeah, that is, actually we did two episodes with, with Pastor Danny and then one with his son, Nathan, and th- that was the transition, 15-year transition one. That one, I, yeah, we, I took that and began meditating on that and working through a plan and thinking, man, how, how do you do this? And started working this through and going, man, I got to go back and watch that one again because there's so much that we mm-hmm. can learn and in that vision. So many good episodes, so many great conversations, so many uh keys and tips and uh, ways to grow the church, yes. reach the lost, uh, you know, expand ministries. And and all throughout this this year, it's been amazing. Then we had COVID hit and everything has <laughs> kind of changed. We're excited to get into season two, where we're going to be interviewing pastors and leaders, navigating through COVID, but also what the church is going to look like post-COVID. And we can't wait to start that March 1st. It's yes. coming right away. We're excited about that. But before we do, we're going to get right into a conversation with Pastor Jason Parrish, who pastors uh, a church called The Well in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is the Mormon capital of the world. And it is not the easiest <laughs> city to plant a Christian church in. And yet not only did they follow the call of God even though they were on staff with and working with Hillsong Phoenix and and had seemingly great positions moving forward, but they felt called to plant a church, Salt Lake City. And not only did they plant it, but they've been very successful growing great guns and doing really, really well. And there's so much in this conversation that you're going to love. So let's go right now to my conversation with Pastor Jason. Hey, Jason, welcome to GoCast. It's so good to see you, my friend. So great to ha- have you on the program. It is great to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Um, uh, it's an honor to be able to hang out with you guys. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and in particular how you got started in, in ministry. Yeah. Um, so I'm a Navy brat. Um, bounced around a lot. Uh, my dad was stationed in California, Hawaii, back into California. And then his last station before he retired and after my parents divorced was in the Seattle area. Okay, so yeah. um, in my younger years, we, we pretty much called Seattle home. Uh, my younger years, that's when my wife was born and raised. Um, we grew up in a small little church there um, where 
ministry was missions trips and youth group and all that different stuff. Um, and then when I graduated high school, I uh, took off to Hillsong College in Australia and uh, was there for, um, for my college years, came back to the Seattle area, um, was a part of our uh, youth ministry there for about another year. My wife and I got married. And uh, this is the like the really quick version uh, yeah, of life yeah. and ministry. Um, after we got married, we uh, took off to Phoenix, and uh, we were on staff at a uh, church there, Terry and Judith Christ, um, yeah, which is now Phoenix. Um, and we were there for about six years before in 2012, going into 2013, uh, we really felt God leading us to the Salt Lake area to plant what is now known as the well. And so that's, that's like awesome. a that's like a little snippet of how <laughs> the went. Um, and uh, somewhere in there, we uh, we had kids, three beautiful kiddos that we've got, and uh, and just doing life and, and loving it. So that's kind of where we're at, who we are in a nutshell. That's awesome. So talk to us about the the church you planted, the well in Salt Lake City, Utah. That's that's quite the quite the the adventure, I am sure. Yeah, it's been a crazy adventure. So my family comes from a, a Mormon background. My dad was born and raised that way. Um, we weren't ever really engaged in it. But when my parents divorced and he retired from the Navy, he came back to Salt Lake. And so I probably would have been about nine years old or so. So from about nine years old on, it was summers with my dad and um, every other Christmas skiing, so on and so forth. And in that period of time, we fell in love with with Utah. Um, but uh, but by and large, during those moments and just kind of falling in love with this place um, during our years in Phoenix, we knew that church planning was going to be a part of our journey. Um, and so it was really cool when we really felt like God was leading us to the place that we loved. Um, and where we felt like we could do life for the long term. Um, and that place was Utah. And so it's an interesting place. Uh, it's every, every area that you plant a church in is hard. Like planning a church is hard. I would never argue that. Uh, we just have some very unique nuances to, to our state and to the, um, the mission field that we're a part of. Um, we usually liken it to, if you were to go to like a third world country or a country (laughs) that has an established religion. Yeah. Um, and to do ministry there and to engage people with uh, with the gospel. Yeah, that's that's really uh, I, I, that's really. Neat. So talk to us about the church. I mean, when you planted the church, got the church started. I mean, did everything just kind of boom right off the bat or how, how did how was the church? Yeah, gone? no, yeah. Uh, I'm an awesome leader, so I was able to successfully just build it down to really small numbers. Um, <laughs> um i remember one weekend we were sitting in an 800 seat auditorium uh with about with about 60 adults in there and uh, with no pipe and drape and nothing to make it look spectacular and uh and it was in that moment that uh i felt honestly i felt like extreme peace we were still in the right place Uh, i think the the thing that's always kind of settled our hearts is that um uh, we'll die here we love it here this this is home for us this is not a stepping stone um it's not a place where we're like, hey, we'll come, we'll build a church, see what happens, and if it doesn't work out, we'll leave. Like, um, you couldn't get me anywhere else. We yeah. we absolutely love it here, and I think it was that reality that just kept us plugging away. Um, by about year four, fast forward is when we really started to see things start tracking, and I think um, here in Utah, if I could speak to planning our church, it hasn't been a product of 
um, of flashiness or really sexy ministry or anything like that. It's been a product of building trust and legitimacy with our neighbors. And, um, that's, that's so kind good. of been, that's been the route that we've gone, which is, um, do people trust us is what we're doing legitimate. Does it have character? Does it have integrity? Does it have consistency? And I feel like year four was when we like crossed a threshold in that. Like we, we, we stepped over a line where all of a sudden it was like people started really inviting their neighbors and their friends and loved ones in their world. And it was almost like, okay, uh, you're here. We're going to trust you with our lives now. And from about year four till now, we'll turn seven in February. It's been a whole different game. Um, we've seen our largest amount of growth. Um, we're about, we're about five months into a second campus, um, in a different part of the city. And so, and that's all happened from about year four to we're six and a half years, uh, old now. So about two and a half years, it's been, it's been hyper. That is so good. That's awesome. I love that. Cause I mean, that, that's a, I mean, that's the case in, in a lot of places, but especially in a place like Salt Lake city with, you know, established, yep. You know Utah, famous for uh, the the Mormons and and all the rest of it's going on and and building that trust. I mean, it it does take a call of God to be able to push through some of those yeah. those lean times to be able to do that. Yeah. So I, I love the vision of of your church. I mean, you say we're building a house that welcomes the least and and the lost. So I mean, you're obviously outsider focused and and a soul winning church. So yeah. what what in particular drives that passion in you and for you? Yeah. Um, I think for us, uh, we never wanted to build a bless me club and, um, and an insider focused church. So mm-hmm. when we got here, um, especially there was a really strong conviction in our hearts. Like we joined, um, uh, my wife and I love CrossFit. So we joined a CrossFit gym and really started to build relationships with there. Many of those relationships we still have today. Yeah. Um, We've always we've always said like we don't want to build a um, I call it a programmatic church um, and uh, uh, where everything is focused around programs. So even now, almost seven years in, we are very lean and mean. We don't do a ton of stuff. We have our Sunday morning services and we have our table groups. Or uh, table groups is our name for small groups. Yeah, and that's honestly really it. Like we don't do a ton of stuff because our 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 sole fo- focus is to be a church where people live their faith out outside of the four walls of the church. Um, so good. We talk a lot on Sundays about how uh, church on Sunday is really just a rally. Um, it's a moment where we come together for about an hour and 15 minutes and get encouraged, worship together, um, have a small family reunion, and then we go back out and do church, do life, do faith um, in the areas that God's called us to and because that's where we spend our time. And yeah. so we often tell people that like their cubicle is their pulpit, their workplace is their pulpit, their school is their pulpit, um, their, their shopping mall or their coffee shop or any one of those places is their pulpit. Um, and that's where we get to do the greatest degree of work, um, for the gospel. And so we just try to always really keep people outwardly focused. Um, and at the end of the day, build a church then when, when friends are being invited and people that are coming from maybe non-faith backgrounds, Mormon backgrounds, secular backgrounds is actually an easy leap. And it, uh, it it tends to segue really well. That's really cool. I, I love that because the natural gravitational pull. I think it's Andy Stanley that said it. The natural gravitational pull of every church is to be insider focused. So I love the fact that you're constantly uh, leading your people to to use where you know, their workplace, their home, their neighborhood as as a pulpit to keep that focus. 
uh, always outside. I, I love that. Um, yeah. Now, let's let's talk about let's talk about uh, how, salvations, baptisms, all the rest. Of it. Yeah. So how, how many how many salvations, for instance, did you guys have uh, last year? Um, last year we were we would have been just about over three hundred last year. Wow! And um, this year, at least where we're at, um, I think we're in the two forties to two sixties. I don't have an exact number yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, that's only really been, if I'm honest, like I said, the past few years we've seen numbers like that. But we've also grown by that amount as well, which has been crazy. Um, that if is I'm awesome. Honest and super candid. Those first couple of years, we didn't see things like that. Um, it was, like I said, about year three and a half, four, that we really started to move in the direction of seeing people who were coming to our church that weren't like just church hopping or, you know, things like that. Like real people who were like, man, they're coming from all kinds of different backgrounds and places and spaces in life. Um, really saying yes to Jesus and, and walking it out. So that's so good. Um, that's a new reality for us, honestly. So I, it hasn't always been like that. I don't want to. I don't want to present a picture that's not true. That's probably been over the past few years. And again, I go back to that kind of that timestamp of about year four when when I feel like we crossed the threshold of trust and legitimacy as a church. Okay, let's pu- let's pull into that because I think that's really good because I think there's pastors that that are saying, well, I'd love to see those kind of numbers, you know, in salvations, but. But I'm not seeing that. I'm pushing it. I'm preaching it. I'm wanting to do that. But you're saying, I mean, that didn't that didn't track. So talk about, I mean, those four years to, in getting traction. I mean, you never lost focus on that and never changed your vision. You just right. kept at it. But but what was it? Do you think that you know? Was it just time? Was it trust? What was it that that you know a focus in you? What was it that kind of broke through? And what was that ceiling to break through? And what would you encourage a pastor who's saying, I'm trying to break through that? Yeah, I think what we can do sometimes is uh, I think we set up systems that are um, that really discourage pastors and leaders and cause us to go like very very focused in on like okay I've got to I've got to grow something to large numbers and I got to have lots of salvations in order for it to be successful. Right. Failing to realize that there's so much there, there's so many more things that go into building something that's going to be here in 20 years. Right. And so at the end of the day, like we stepped back and we said as a church, like, okay, um, we may not see our greatest days of ministry in the beginning. And we're okay with that yeah. because we're building something that that's like, that's like starting a company and, and going like, we're going to be a $1 billion company in the first four weeks of building this thing said no one ever. It's not like, it's not going to work that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so we took a, we took a different approach and we said, okay, um, people will give us their lives and they will they will trust us if we do some things over time, and that is show to be a church of character, yeah. show to be a church of integrity, and show to be a church of consistency. Um, will we be here when it's not doing what we want it to, or doesn't look the way that we want it to, or feel the way that we want it to? Will we will we still will we still be here? Will we stay here when it's awkward and hard and we don't have all the leaders we want, we don't have all the resource that we want and all these different things? Are we still going to love people no matter what? And so for us really worked on that idea of trust and legitimacy which is built through character, integrity and consistency. Those first 4 years that was a really big deal for us. And that fleshed itself in all kinds of ways. That fleshed itself out practically with the type of like being in a permanent location. We were uh, we were portable for the first nine months, and I knew for us to gain some traction and trust and legitimacy, we had to put roots down. Right. And my wife and I uh, buying a house, 
not being seemingly mobile as well. People look at those things. Are they here or are they are they halfway here and they'll jump if it's not working the way that they want it to type of deal? Right. People see that stuff out. They're smart, um, especially in the world that we live in right now. You know what I mean? They're constantly looking at those things. So we made very, very succinct and directed decisions about showing roots being planted. Our kids are in school here. We love this place. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be here in 20 years. And I'd even make statements like if this thing were to burn down tomorrow, we'd still be able to get a coffee. So that it was things like that it was languaging. We put a lot of handles on the idea of we will be here long term and we're not going anywhere. And I think that helped build it. But that took time. That took time. That's so good. And I love that perspective because I mean, that, that's a unique um, perspective on that and saying how important some of those little things are to yep. building the trust to get the traction that you need. But I, I think that's also uh, very, very key for religious type areas like you're in because a lot of people come in and the excuse automatically is, well, it's too hard here. And so I'm sure that a lot of people watching your church have seen multiple examples of people that came in, didn't have that attitude like you had, tried, and they're just waiting to say, we're going to wait for a couple of years to see if this guy's for real. Right. And I don't know, um, do, do you work out? Do yeah. You, um, yeah. So you've probably heard this this terminology before, and it's something that I'm even studying now as, as, I'm, uh, as I'm doing more and more working out, is time under tension. So you can't tell? <laughs> no, I, well, I just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, but there's this terminology that's used time under tension, right? That that muscle is actually built, size is actually built, right. um, not by not by like just throwing reps as fast as you can, but actually time under tension, like slowing down, actually right. using less weight at times and doing proper reps. And I've just found that for us, it's been time under tension that our strong, like the strongest degree of who we are has been built in slow, purposeful, succinct movements that um, we didn't throw a ton of activity at it. We didn't throw a ton of resource at it. It was just time under tension. And now we're starting to see the, the product of that time under tension, you know, being, you know, six and a half, six and a half years, seven years in. And, you know, listen, you can start feeling the effects of working out six weeks in, but I don't think you really start seeing the effects until you've spent more time under tension. And all of a sudden you look back in a year, you look back in two years and you go, whoa, I look way different than I did two years ago. And I think, I think church planting at the end of the day, seeing lives transformed through the ministry of our churches happens more in time under tension than it does in, in fast, quick, um, that's so good. So that's so good. So let, let's talk about let's talk about strategy. I mean, because there's got to be consistency in in strategy in, in doing that. So what has been the most effective strategy uh, as, as a church uh, for winning souls that's that you've been consistent with and stuck through that you're starting to see the fruit of now? Yeah, I think for us, um, we've really worked hard um, at building a place of authenticity. And I know, like, I know that's a pop term for all of us. We, we want to be authentic and we want to be real. We want to be relevant. We say all the, these different things. Um, we, we have found that, especially with the context of our state, the, 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 the nuance that we deal with here is that the LDS church is very guarded in who they are as people. 
Right. It's yeah. very much about keeping an image and looking perfect. And um, there's there's this very strong veneer, which is, I mean, that's not abnormal in life. I mean, we do that within Christian communities and in the whole nine yards. So we've worked really hard as a church, to almost like I, I would call it almost a rebellion to that. Yeah. That we allow things to be a little bit messier. We allow church to be a little bit messier and. And then we throw like if you look at our our whole vision statement, it's it's really it's all about messiness. Yeah, saying we're going to be a church that's okay with messiness. Um, it's okay to not be okay, and no matter where you're coming from, and no matter what's going on, and so all of our teams, everything that we do, everything that we talk about from the pulpit, all those different things, the strategy has been how do we put words to that, how do we put action to that, and how do we make it so that people actually feel that versus it just being a pithy statement that we make from the pulpit on Sundays. That is so good. And that, that's, uh, that resonates with me hugely because where we are in Lethbridge and uh, we are very in a very strong LDS community as well, very religious established community as well. And so a lot of our vision stuff has been built around the exact same thing is about being messy and being authentic and all because, because that really is against the rebellion of the people who, who got rejected or aren't in yep. there or, or are tired of the facade and in reaching them. So that's really studying your community, the needs in your community, and then ministering to to where they are at, which is, I, I, that's brilliant. And talking about things that that in in a religious circle, whether it be LDS or, you know, in, in religious Christian circles, yep. I think so often we tiptoe around things. And I'm not even just talking about hot button topics. I'm just saying the, the way that we feel about stuff. Yeah. Um, the, the, let's be honest, the, the duality of our thought processes as, as people. I mean, l- let's be really, really truthful about it. We are faith filled people, but come on, we've got doubts. And they're often, they're often up here at the same time. And when you put words to that for people, all of a sudden it, it let like people's guards come down because they're like, "Whoa, wait a second! I'm not used to hearing a leader. I'm not used to hearing a pastor, uh, like play with the duality of what of what's going on internally. Right. They think that we don't have duality happening. Um, and I heard I heard one time a, a good quote, and I'm paraphrasing the quote, but it's the idea that maturity is the ability to hold two opposing thoughts in our minds without allowing it to rip us apart. Mm. And I think as we grow in our faith and we grow in the maturity of our faith, we can actually teach people like, listen, uh, Jesus is our constant. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if we're very honest, there's a lot of crazy that's happening in here at times. Yeah, It's not giving up on our theology. It's not giving up on our doctrine. It's just simply saying, this is my humanity. And we're okay with our humanity working through things in the context of community. And as we've talked that out, as we've fleshed that out for people in our church, that's where we've seen, especially people who come from a secular background, non-faith background, really love and begin to love this place that we call home. That's awesome. So talk to me about somebody uh, who came into your church, completely unchurched background, not somebody you'd expect to walk through the doors, but came in there and gave their heart to Jesus. Their life has been radically transformed. They became born again. One of the freshest ones is uh, is a guy who's actually on our security team now. He just just hopped onto our security team. Um, He is uh, a police officer around here. Uh, Him and his wife went through some pretty hard moments in their marriage and all kinds of different things. Somebody invited him to church, actually our campus pastor, um, 
is a fire uh, is a firefighter as well. And so obviously the next firefighters police department. Yeah. So he invited him to church. He came to our church and uh, like just got radically saved. It was, I mean, it was just awesome. He gave his life to Jesus. And it was one of those ones he, you know, put up his hand during the service, filled out a card, started going through the process. He's, and then, and then I got to baptize him <laughs> and uh, just like just the whole, whole thing and watching his life transform and come to the place where he's like, um, one of the reasons that he, he stayed at our church, one of the reasons that he came into our church and was able to really like, like really step into that place where like, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. I believe in Jesus is because of that. He's like, I literally came here and I was like, wow, um, I'm completely jacked up and they're okay with it. <laughs> and that was, that was the idea that really started this. That was the inception of his faith. And then his faith grew and grew and grew to the point where he's able to say yes to Jesus. And then saying yes to Jesus, we've now been walking out this process with him and his wife. And it's been unbelievable to watch. And that's that's a fresh one. And there's countless more people coming from LDS backgrounds and um, and everything in between. So it's been a it's been a fun journey. But that's like one of the freshest ones. That's um, so cool. Somebody who I'm in relationship with and and gets talked to on a regular basis. Well, I mean, it's stories like that that just make us. It warms our hearts and going. That's why we do what we do. I mean, that is yep. that makes it all worthwhile. Going through all the pain, going through the the struggles of church planting. That's why. That's exactly why we do it. So that's that is awesome. Yeah, and he's and you know they're talking about now like. I've been able to pray over them multiple times. Uh, they came up on a year since um, some of their biggest issues uh, in their marriage, and they're like, "Man, it's just been—it's been radical what God has done in our life in this past year, um, just simply with a decision." And and that again, that's not us Bible beaten people. That's not us talking big theology. Yeah, yeah. That's that's helping people. That's creating a space and a place where there's authentic community. Um, that we all understand that that we are humans and our humanity is at work, yeah. but Jesus yeah. is greater, and in that space, uh, you see life change. That is true. That's so awesome, man. I, okay, so there's a statement on your website that reads that church was never meant to reside within the four walls of the building. So we're taking it to the streets. We yeah. don't just point out the problem; we help fix them. We want to bring hope to our city, life to our city help to our city and change to our city man i, I was like i'm gonna steal that or something i don't know I, that I was ready to jump up and down and and be a part of well church I, like let's go let's go do this so talk to me about what you guys do uh, uh to bring hope to the city to get outside your four walls yeah so we're doing a lot of stuff right now um and uh i i don't i i say a lot of stuff it's very pointed stuff so a lot of it is just being in our community with our serve days uh, we have a constant flow of serve opportunities that people can get involved in. Um, one of the cool things that our church is doing right now is working with an organization called Care Portal, yep. uh, which is uh, they're working with uh, DFCS, I think is how uh, DSF or yeah DSF um, and uh, the um, the department that works with like foster kids and everything like that. And so our church is one of the first churches to be able to be a part of this in our valley, which is when there is. When there's stuff that people need, families that uh, that need things for foster kids, whatever it may be, whether it's beds, car seats, everything like that, um, through our some of our online stuff that we have going on through our church, we're able to push out notifications um, to people in our church, and our church can rally in real time, which is really cool because it makes helping our city and engaging in our city not something that is, once again, a program, but it's more of a response, right. and it's real time. And so it's things like that. 
one of the big things that we're working on right now, which is going to be our biggest maneuver as a church, is um, we're getting ready to launch a thing called Redemption House. And uh, Redemption House is going to be a uh, a transitional living home for women who are coming out of trafficking. Wow. Um, this is an initiative of our church that we're currently in the uh, throes of building. And uh, our our hope, we have a heavy, uh, we have a big issue with that. I mean, all, all across the United States, but especially in our area, we actually, funny enough, because of the thoroughfare, the main freeway that runs through, uh, traffic, trafficking is a big issue here. And yeah. so no one's really getting involved with it on a uh, at a systemic level. So we decided as a church, this is what we're going to put our resource behind. This is what we're going to put our um, our people behind. And really what it's going to do is our goal is to um, own homes all across our valley where we are helping those uh, women and kids who are being rescued out of sex trafficking um, find a place. It, it'll be a year-long uh, Jesus-oriented program that uh, these women and kids can go through and then graduate from. And then hopefully the cycle continues and who knows what it grows into. But right now we were like, hey, if we can transform the lives of four people, four women in a house, then it's worth it. And yeah. if it grows to eight, then great. If it grows to 12, then great. And we'll just keep on going. We'll see where God takes it. But that's going to be the big thing. And again, that's where, where we talk about getting our hands dirty, getting involved in segments of our society that typically the church kind of tries to stay away from because we don't like how it feels um, or how it looks. That That is that is so so powerful. I mean, that is, I understand now why our uh, wives connected so much um, because... <laughs> <laughs> I get it now because my wife is is runs an organization called Not for Sale, which is rescuing kids out of, in yes. Mexico out of sex trafficking and uh, and and all. different things. And we're doing a lot of that stuff around here as well, which is really cool. Uh, which so cool. What, that's really powerful. So, but that's not a small undertaking. I mean, that's that's a major. I mean, to get houses, that's not it's not a cheap undertaking. It's not an easy undertaking to get. I mean, rescuing is that's a big big uh, big deal. So. Why do you believe it's so important then for, for the church to take on projects like that and get outside the four walls? I think so many times what we do is we, again, um, I love the church. I'm, I'm a local church fan. Um, but I think so many times what we can do is, you know, we get behind, we get behind wheels that are already turning and we need to do that. You know what I mean? I look at, I look at some of the initiatives in our city that we support financially and things like that. Yep. And we send people to, and they're, they're all amazing. They're all amazing things. And in many ways, our church, uh, I think so often we can, we can take resource and it's like, we're going to put a dollar in a thousand places versus put a thousand dollars in one place. Right. And so for, for me, I've always been, and for us as a leadership team and as a church, we've always been very, 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 careful not to try to do a bunch of little things but to really figure out where it is that we want to put our energy and our effort and i think churches the more that we double down on that reality we can become a spearhead in different things um and i think that's why the the we've got to transform our idea in the local church and i think for so long what we've done is it can we all try to look the same and be the same and behave the same and do the same things and I think in doing that, we're missing, um, we're missing the pointedness that each local church potentially has. That is that is a part of the fingerprint that God has for him. And I think many times we can miss being who God's called us to be as we try to be like every other church. And we just said, like, listen, this is who we're going to be, and 
We know that this is what's on us as a church. So we're going to put our resource here. We're going to put our energy, our time, our effort, our staffing. Like this is what we're going to do. And that means that we're probably not doing other things. And we're okay with that. Um, because what we're saying, we're going to say no to a lot of other things so that our yes can be very, very pointed and very, very purposeful. That's so good. I know that's going to resonate with a, with a lot of pastors and, and leaders. So what advice would you give to them, you know, to a pastor who wants to activate their church to minister to, to needs in the communities and get outside the four walls? Yeah, I think my, my advice is take it slow. Um, my advice is to pull back a little bit and instead of just jumping into activity for the sake of activity and, and I think sometimes we do that to keep people interested, work with, work with people to help them understand and know like we're, we're going somewhere, especially young churches. You know what I mean? I I know that your guys' church is more seasoned. Ours is becoming more seasoned. So resource and ability now grows. Yeah. But especially in those formative years and those in the younger years, church planners, especially I watched so many guys try to do a million and one things. And it's like, you're spreading what's already thin resource out a lot. If you could just come back a little bit and take time to go, God, like, who is it that you've really called us to be and allow that to be part of the journey? You know what I mean? Allow that to be. I mean, we're doing that with our kids right now. My kids don't get to do four different sports. They get to try a sport, stay in the sport, see if they like the sport. And if they don't like the sport, the next year we'll do something else. Instead of we're going to do 18 different sports, different things right now in, in a blanket year and hope that one sticks. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. And so we kind of treated our, our church like that. It's like, okay, it's a baby right now. It's a toddler right now. It's a four-year-old right now. It's a six-year-old. And now, all of a sudden, we're starting to see, okay, it's gaining strength and muscle in different areas. And we've found the lane that we want to run in. And so we're going to run hard in that lane. We're going to train for that lane. We're going to resource that lane. That's that's my That would be my encouragement to pastors and leaders is go like, maybe just step back a little bit and go, God, who... Who have you really called us to be, and what does that look like for us? What is our unique fingerprint? That's so good. All right, so tie together for us this this idea of getting outside the four walls and getting the community and serving and finding that lane and running it, and tie that tie that together for us of 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 that focus and the effect that that has on soul winning in in your church. Right, uh, me. I think the more that we can make serving outside of the four walls of our church and engaging people a natural reality for our church people, um, that's what makes our church something that is very inviting um, mm. to to people who are outside of the four walls of our church, to people who don't have a faith background. Um, I think if we're not careful, we can make people a program right. instead of our passion. And once again, I'm, I'm the guy who thinks that people are smart and they see what they see. And so as a pastor and leader, I go, okay, if, if I would feel that way, they definitely feel that way. And so for us, it's been trying to teach our church and engage our church in the mindset that people are not a program. People is our passion. And we love people because we've first been loved. And in that in that vein, that's when we really started people see that's that, that goes back to that authenticity thing where people are coming in and they're going like, man. You guys didn't have to do that. Right. Um, that felt real. It, it felt authentic. You guys just genuinely loved. You gave. You served. You did just out of the goodness of your heart or the passion of your heart. And so for me, the more that we can do and teach our people to – that's why we try not to make it a program. 
Right. That's why we try to make it like, hey, respond to people that respond to your neighbors. Yeah, we're going to go feed the poor. Yeah, we're going to do things like that. But at the end of the day, we should respond to our neighbors. We should respond to our work, like the people we work with. Um, that is our that is our mission field. And realizing that at the end of the day, it's not always the poor and the homeless yeah. and the hungry. We yeah. have those people in our in our in our society. We have those people in our state. We have those people in our city for sure. And we serve them. They are the least of these in in many ways, in the sense that um, they don't have much. And so we want to provide the best that we can. But I think many times in doing that, we fail to realize that our mission field really is how we respond to the person that we think is a jerk next to us um, in, in the cubicle next door or that boss we don't like or the people we go to school with or the people that we engage with at coffee shops. That is our mission field as well. Um, it's both and. So That's so good. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at and how we kind of trained our people and taught our people through the vehicle of authenticity. That is awesome, man. This has been so, so good. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's, those are all great questions, man. I, I like, I love, I love the heart uh, behind what it is that you're trying to accomplish and do. And and I think, I think more conversations like this are going to enable all of us as leaders to to get better handles on how we help people, how we serve people, how we serve our cities, yeah. um, and how we build our churches. And I, and I think, I think it's changing. I think things are changing right now. And uh, I think conversations like this are important. So, man, I'm 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 high fiving you from the other side of the screen. I'm I'm pumped to uh, to see where these these conversations that you're leading take people and, and encourage leaders. Yeah, I'm really sensing. I really appreciate that because I'm really sensing the urgency of the times that that it's that as a church, I don't know, we need to have these conversations. We need to help one another. I think every pastor I've talked to is saying, man, yeah, we're doing good, but man, we feel like we could be doing so much better. And, yeah. and I think all of us feel that, and and I think there's there's just sense of something big, something something unique coming to the Big C Church. So we need to be talking um, across whatever boundaries we need to cross to be able to have the conversation as as the global church to see what what yeah, God can do. I think I think for me, if I could say this and add this kind of this last bit uh, to wrap everything else that we've talked about into one kind of thought, I think we're shifting from what it looks like the, as a church to be um, program-based yep. to what it looks like to foster the identity and personality of our church. Um, you and I, as, as fathers and as parents, we're trying to allow our kids the space, but teach and guide them yeah. to become who they are. And there's this personality that's part of them, right? And I think that's how we're starting to kind of lead our church is – a lot, like I think that God's got a personality for each local church. Yeah, we're all part of the big C church, but if you look at the space of the local church across the nation, across the nations, everyone, your guys' church has a different personality than our church. Yeah. And and in that, our job as leaders is to identify what that is and then foster it, make it like like mold it, train it in the way that it should go and it doesn't depart from it. Yeah. And I think the more that we can do that the more that we are and will become an authentic church. And in that, that's when people who come from non-faith backgrounds, secular secular ways of doing life, um, I really do believe that's where they really start to see and find Jesus in that. That is our outreach model, is becoming authentic in who we are. 
and and it changing from from this kind of rigid program based reality to like this is who we are as a church and um this is the thumbprint that Jesus has put on us. So, That's so good. Man, I love that. Where, where can our listeners, I know there's pastors that are saying, man, I want to learn more uh, uh, about you, about about your church and what's going on. So where can our listeners connect with you online? Yeah, um, I think the best way to get a hold of me is via uh, Instagram. Uh, if you just drop a DM in there, we will get connected for sure. Um, I'm always up for, for good conversations and, and learning from each other. So that or hop on our website, shoot me an email, and uh, we can get connected that way as well. Awesome. Man, thank you so much, Jason. This has been so good. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and thanks for doing the show, man. Well, thank you so much. It's seriously an honor to be able to be on here with you, and uh, I appreciate you uh, uh, you uh, and, and everything that you're doing. I think this is going to be a really, really cool thing for, for people to grab a hold of. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. What a great conversation with so Pastor good. Jason. So many good things in there. I, I love the whole idea of it's okay. You know, we're going to be the church and we're okay with messiness mm-hmm. and authenticity is such a big thing. What was one thing that stood out to you? I can't just give you one. I have to do two. So oh, okay. the first one <laughs> was when him and his wife were just uh, standing on stage with 60 people in the crowd in an 800 seat auditorium and him just um, being affirmed by God, like this is where we are. This is where we're staying and we're settling our roots here. Um, well, and, so, okay, so mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of pastors in COVID times and all the restrictions that are going on that right. either can't meet right now or are in large auditoriums or larger auditoriums and seeing a handful of people. And so I think that's encouragement for yes. all of us right now to go, yeah, there's something more to ministry than full the auditoriums. Full auditoriums. And, and, it's all about, again, it comes down to the individual. So that's really mm. good. Okay, your second takeaway. Yeah, so the second one was a quote he said where he says, maturity is the ability to hold two opposing thoughts in your mind at the same time without letting it rip you apart. And I just wow. thought that's, yeah. that's just, we're so uh, often caught either in the tension of holding two opposing views. Sometimes we as Christians can't even sit down with an opposing view or someone from another religion without having a conversation and handling it. Uh, properly. So I think that was a... So what he's saying is that today, especially on Facebook, there's a lot of immaturity. Yes. My goodness. My goodness. (laughs) Because we live in a very divided world and there's lots of opposing views and people are seemingly more uh, bold about opposing (laughs) everyone else's views on that. But I I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maturity is being able to hold two opposing views and not letting rip rip you apart. And that's so, so, so good. Well, uh, we want to continue the conversation. GoCast is not just a podcast of information getting to you. We really want GoCast and our our vision for this is to have a conversation with pastors, leaders all around the world to further the church in leading our churches, learn from each other. So we want to learn from you as much as you are learning from us probably more. We want to learn from you. So we want to encourage you to engage in conversation with us. And you can do that on social media by finding us where, Tim? For sure. On Facebook, Instagram, you can go to our website at www.gocast.ca, or you can find our podcast on any of the major uh, podcast playing platforms. Yeah. And again, don't just listen, engage in conversation. We want to talk with you, hear from you and, and learn from you. Well, We have, next week, we're so excited, we get to start season two, and we are excited about this conversation. We kind of hesitated trying to figure out because of the uncertainty of of COVID and what was happening, and we are hopefully getting toward the end of this whole thing, but 
really, if there's one thing that COVID has taught me and that I've been observing in conversations I've had with pastors all around the world is that we're not going to go back to what was before, that there is something that has fundamentally changed. I think lots has changed in the world. Lots has changed in the church and the church is going going to look different um, and is looking different now, but it's going to look different post-COVID yeah. as well. And so what is it going to look like and how do we navigate that? Well, we're going to ask those questions to many great leaders that are leading great churches, great leaders, have great insight, and we're going to find out from them how the church is going to look and how we navigate the future moving forward. You're not going to want to miss that. So join us March 1st for GoCast Season 2. Thank you so much for joining us in Season 1. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.